Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome to Understanding the Human Condition with our host, Dr. James Flowers. Hey, Robin. Hey, you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. We have Chase Wade here today, Vice President of Clinical Services with J Flowers Health Institute. He's hey Chase. Our work hey there, family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, work right. family. That's a good way to say it. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You are. So I thought I'd start as usual with a little bio about you for those who don't know you. Um, Chase is a licensed professional counselor who is currently the vice president of clinical operations at the J Flowers Health Institute. Chase currently well Chase holds a master's in counselor education from Texas Tech University. He specializes with clients who suffer from chronic pain, somatic symptom disorder, depression, and anxiety. That's a mouthful. Welcome. I know. I was worried about <laughs> somatic <laughs> symptom disorder. I didn't yeah. even know. Maybe we can get Chase to talk about what that is in a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me how you came to J. Flowers Health Institute, and how did you meet our fearless leader? And Let's see. That was eight years ago now, almost nine years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finished graduate school at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. And uh, like most graduate students, after uh, an economic crash, we're all broke and living with our parents and we don't know where to go. Yeah. Uh, so I leaned on an old friend of mine who I worked with in security at Hurricane Harbor oh. in Arlington, Texas, not the one here in Houston. And uh, he said, here, email this guy. So he gave me Michael Beard's email address. So I sent him an email, and probably about two hours later, I get this Houston phone number, and I sent it straight to voicemail. <laughs> Have you heard this story? No. I sent it straight to voicemail, and at the time, I was substitute teaching in a junior high. For some reason, they put me in charge of science. I don't know why. Oh, wow. Um, and I get the voicemail, and I immediately call Dr. Flowers back, and I'm apologetic for <laughs> sending him straight to voicemail. <laughs> And uh, we set up an interview about a week later. Um, I met him at this office mm-hmm. in North Richland Hills, which turned into being my home for six years to follow that. Um, and uh, the first thing when he went down my resume was he's like, oh, you ran track in college. So did I. Mm-hmm. And we just instantly <laughs> hit it off right there. Um, and so that's where uh, my, I found my mentor after graduate school. That's Aww. where I found this amazing father figure type guy, and this mm-hmm. great friend that always, always there for me. And mm. so years go by. I worked for him for about three years. And then I kind of carved my own path in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, mainly more Fort Worth area. Um, Ran a hospital at one point in time because the rule of thumb when you work at a hospital long enough, if you're there long enough, they're just going to put you in charge. <laughs> so at 29 years old, they're like, hey, here's a six-figure salary, Whoa. and here's you be the administrator CEO of this hospital. And it was a great job. I had a lot of great employees. 
um, a lot of great patients, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a therapist again. So I went back to being a therapist again and really sharpened my skills. And the whole, uh, the whole path between leaving Health Trust at the time to coming here has always been an ongoing conversation was, you're gonna come back and work for me eventually. You're eventually mm. gonna come, you're gonna come home. Mm-hmm. You're gonna come Aww. home. And so last August, uh, gosh, I'm already gonna get emotional, huh? <laughs> I, I lost a client um, mm. in a really devastating way. And uh, for one of the first people I call was Dr. Flowers and he goes, well, first thing you do is call your therapist, done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> next thing you do is you need to go on a vacation. Actually have one planned next week. Mm-hmm. The next thing you need to do is just take a couple days off from work. I've already done that. He goes, I've already, you already know what to do, Chase. He's like, so when are you kind of come home now? Mm-hmm. And so then we talked about this project here and what this company's grown into. Um, came down to Houston last August, August mm-hmm. 2019, and I've been here ever since. So it was uh. on the drive down here. Uh, my girlfriend Courtney and I are already planning out plane tickets to fly to a football game. It's like we're already going to be here. Like uh-huh. we already had it in our mind before we even sat down. So uh. yeah. Here you are. Here I am. Great <laughs> journey, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a big mouthful. <laughs> And so uh, can you explain to, uh, we wanted to talk about um, your relationships with and your treatment with the families mm-hmm. and what you specialize in. Mm-hmm. Can we touch on that a little bit? So throughout grad school, I'm, and you'll kind of always hear me reference back to that, um, throughout my time in the field, what I've learned is, is that people want authenticity. Right. They don't want BS. They don't want a textbook. They want you to be authentic. Right. And so I've always attempted to be that authentic therapist. Um, and so I have no problem with in the first hour of meeting a patient for the first time, hey, my counselor's name is Paul. I'd send him to you, but he's full because he's really good. Yeah. Because it's the truth. Yeah. Therapists yeah. have to take care of themselves, too. And That's so right. th- them knowing that you're also a human being uh-huh. um, is a big part of it. Uh-huh. Um, and so in working with families, I have no problem sharing my own family history as well, too. The, the scuffles between me and my brother or the, the good and bad parts of my relationship with my parents. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very good. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. And, you know, building those trust, trustworthy relationships is so critical to patient success. And it's so important to you. Um, what would you tell other therapists listening today about building an authentic relationship with their clients? How do you do that? Um, don't have an ego when you walk in, you know, mm-hmm. because it's it's a working relationship. You know, they're employing you, but you're employing them as your client. And in really listening and just giving time to, mm-hmm. to do that slow turn of the dial in every relationship that you build with a new client. Yeah. Um, you have some clients who come in and they've been burned by some school counselor along the way or some therapist mm-hmm. their parents made them go to. And so your goal is to remember that you need to meet them where they are, mm-hmm. hold their hand and walk with them. And there's parts mm-hmm. where you drag them where they need to go, but there's parts where it's just, you might need to go slow and you might have sessions where it feels like a step back and that's mm-hmm. actually a step forward. Mm-hmm. I know earlier this year, uh, Kobe Bryant's death um, had a very significant impact on you. How did his death affect you as a therapist, and how did it how did it impact your human condition? So uh, it's it's actually interesting because as a as a sports fan, I can't stand Kobe Bryant. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a Dallas Mavericks guy. I'm a Texas Rangers guy. I'm a Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys guy. So it's weird that I'm here in Houston. Um, and so this has been an awkward year for mm-hmm. all of us. Yeah. Um, at one point in time, Australia was on fire. We all forgot mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was murder hornets. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The government told us about UFOs, and nobody even talked about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always kind of circle back to Kobe um, because 
that was a moment in time as I, Courtney and I are actually driving down here. My dad always tells me all the time when Elvis died mm-hmm. to carbon date me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he remembers exactly <laughs> where he was when he heard about Elvis dying. Yep. And yeah, Kobe is one of those deaths, too. Just like Mike, mm-hmm. I remember exactly where I was when Michael Jackson died. Yep. And we're Courtney and I are driving to Houston to she's going to go to a job interview. We're going to look at the mm-hmm. house we just got. And we're passing through the woodlands, and we're just driving along, and she goes, hey, Kobe died in a helicopter crash. And that, mm-hmm. that made sense to me because I knew he went around in a helicopter. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. She goes, did you hear me? Kobe just died in a helicopter crash. And I was like, oh, my God. And so a lot of different things in my head at that time, and I just didn't really quite think about it. And then over the next month, we saw the, the way the leagues kind of surrounded that. But it wasn't stories about his jump shot. It wasn't stories about his championships. It was a story about him as a person. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. stories about the relationships that he built off the court. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And you start to see all the film that you never saw before. Uh, this one sportscaster um, said she was eight months pregnant, and Kobe, first time she met him, walked up to him and said, oh, my God, how far along are you? Are you? Oh, you're going to be a girl mom? I'm a girl dad. A girl, uh-huh. that's the best thing. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. seeing Shaq, who he had a horrible relationship with, cry about like how good the relationship actually was, it brought everything back. If it's not about accolades, mm-hmm. it's not about things along those lines. It's about relationships that you build mm-hmm. in, in life. And that's truly what matters because yeah. a lot of focuses in therapy that we have with clients is people are so focused on how far behind in life they are, the next goal or the next car or the next house, right. when it's really it's just the person sitting next to you in the relationship that you need to build. Yeah, that that mm-hmm. moment in time right there. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Has your approach to therapy changed this year with COVID and everything else that's going on in the world? So I'll go back to that graduate school reference point mm-hmm. again. I remember talking with Dr. Cruz saying, man, teletherapy is going to be the future. Uh-huh. And then I did a few teletherapy sessions over the years. And I'm like, it is not the future. And now <laughs> here it is. It's the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? um, what's unique about this and, and I'd love to hear your perspective mm-hmm. on this, too. What's, what's really unique is that this is the first time in my 10 years of doing this that every patient's walked into the office with the exact same problem. doesn't matter what socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what race, gender, identi- gender identification, sexual orientation, mm-hmm. what member of the family you are, if you're just there for support. Everybody has been heavily impacted by whether it's not seeing their grandkids or not spending time with their families or not going on this certain trip. Everybody has been impacted by this in a certain way. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of unique in how, and how, what COVID has done with therapy. Yeah, it Mm -hmm. is. Uh, What have you heard from your clients this year? What's changed as far as drinking during COVID or using substances Mm -hmm. during COVID around the United States? Uh, it's definitely gone up from what I can tell on the trend, and it's something that's happening that people aren't even thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, when I ask a client, well, has your drinking picked up since COVID? Well, I guess now that you ask, yes, it has. Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself drinking earlier. Um, I mean, we could just look at the sales of alcohol and know that. We could yeah. go to other states where marijuana is legal and look at the sales of that and see yeah. that that's also going on. That's up. right. Yep. Um, and just the... I remember that I remember you and I were actually having a phone conversation back in March and it was right when AA meetings mm-hmm. were shutting down. And I think it kind of hit us at the same time of, oh, my God, the amount of relapses that are about to happen because that That's community right. is gone. Yeah, right. And it has. It's happened a lot this year. Yeah. You know, you have several clients a, a day that you see um, every day of the week, sometimes on weekends. Uh, the patients you see uh, clearly have complex comorbid issues. And helping them improve their quality of life is so rewarding to you personally. But this type of work can affect you as a therapist, be your own human condition, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. and your emotions. How do you manage uh, the stress of seeing the patients and 
hearing their problems day after day and what they've been through and the complexities of their own lives and what do you offer other therapists uh, coming into this field? Um, you know, that's one thing that's uh, definitely always at the front of my mind is taking self-care. Uh, but the hard part of me, unfortunately, when my parents programmed me was to just work hard and mm -hmm. put your head down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I love uh, riding my bike and cycling. Um, really okay. enjoy, of course, spending time with, uh, enjoy spending time with Courtney. Mm -hmm. Um, spending time with my dogs at home, um, you know, finding a show on Netflix to yeah. kind of binge, but okay. also trying to get out and, and do the proper healthy social distancing things of going to a restaurant that's doing things the right way or going out to a picnic yeah. or going for simply just a walk at Memorial Park. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm starting to take up golf again, um, which is not cheap. Uh, <laughs> so it's really focusing on that side of it. And then also after each session, just when you're there in the office, try to hit the reset button mm -hmm. and remember that each client you have is in a different stage of treatment and there's different problems that are going on and reset, write your note, get it out of your head yeah. and take a deep Good breath advice. and walk to the next one. And then make sure you're, if you get stuck with this client, go back and look at their treatment plan. What are the goals we're working on? Because uh, actually, I'll, I'll use a quote I just heard in the last hour, was sometimes uh, when you're trying to drain out a swamp, you get bitten by a bunch of alligators, and sometimes the alligators win. So we need to go find the plug, remember why we're actually there to get through the muck mm -hmm. so we yeah. can see what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Do you find advice. it difficult to take your counseling hat off at the end of the day when you go home into your own home? Good question. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Hey, then you have to answer it next after <laughs> him. Yes. You know, it's funny because my uncle, my uncle Tim, my dad's oldest brother, is actually a counselor too, and his wife uh, his wife always jokes, well, does he listen when he gets home? Uh -huh. um, and so, you know, there's, for me, I like to think that I do, but you'd have to ask the audience around me, do I actually shut that down? Yep. Um, I know there's times when I, when I do check out because I'm in trouble for not listening, uh, but I know there's times that I absolutely put my counselor hat back on at home and I, I try to take it off as much as possible. Um, okay. This field, you, you carry around a lot of your clients' emotions sometimes, so you have to find the proper way to shed it. And so that's, you know, either it's visiting with my own therapist or mm -hmm. talking with a colleague um, to make sure I'm not dumping that information at home on anybody that's just like, I don't care, Chase. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. Chase shares the same philosophy as I do, Robin, and that yeah. is, is that we all need a good therapist. Right. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do to shake it off at the Exercise end of the day? Exercise and yeah. um, uh, Netflix and mindless entertainment. Sky. And Sky. Yeah. Your dog. Right. 13 week old uh, Italian Spanini. <laughs> Spanini. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Speaking, speaking yep. of difficult words, let's go back to somatic symptom disorder. Yeah. Okay. For those who don't know what it is, can you tell us what that is? So, you know, throughout a therapist's career, one thing I can always say, a good word of advice, is find what your specialty is. Without mm -hmm. that, you're just kind of showing up every day aimlessly. Mm -hmm. um, I always go back to my first ever client that I ever had, um, and you and I briefly spoke about him recently. Mm -hmm. uh, he was at Health Trust, and so right before I started there, Dr. Flowers actually did the intake. And when uh, he did the intake, you know, when I come down to Houston and he's like, here, I just need you to put this file together. And so I scoured through this guy's medical chart. I scoured through um, his intake. And so I knew this guy backwards and forwards. Okay. And uh, he's 65 year old gentleman from Waco. I'm working in North Richland Hills at the time. Um, that's about an hour and a half commute, I would say. Um, he would come up on Tuesdays. He would go see the orthopedic surgeon and get an injection and then in his knee, and then he would go visit with the physical therapist and he'd sit down with me for an hour. He'd stay in a hotel that night and he'd do the exact same round again on Wednesday and then he'd head back to Waco. Okay. Um, 
he comes in and sits down with me, even though I know all of his information, you know, I'm doing the right relational thing. And, hey, tell me about yourself. Why mm -hmm. are you here? You know, what happened to your knee? And his, his story goes along the lines of I used to be a chef in a kitchen when I was in my early 50s. And then I slipped and fell. And when I slipped and fell, I, I tore up my knee. So we went and did some injections. And I was on workman's comp. My pay gets cut. Um, and then my life kind of starts to fall apart. But then I get healthy from surgery. And I'm starting to make progress in, in physical therapy. And then as they went, and so we then we realized I'm actually backsliding. So now we have to do a full total knee replacement. So he does mm -hmm. a total knee replacement. This has turned into a year-long journey for this gentleman. And uh, then they, after the knee replacement, they're on the big bed in the physical therapy room. And the physical therapist pushed too hard and pushed it down. And it actually popped the, uh, imp the uh, joint, like pulled the me mechanics out mm -hmm. of the bone. Oh. So he's damaged now. He is permanently disabled. Texas used to have a great thing called DARS, and the DARS program would help people to achieve a bachelor's degree fully paid for if they couldn't go back to their previous line of work. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that program has since been defunded. But so when he sits down with me for the last 10 years of his life, he's hobbling around on a cane. Huh. Um, his relationships have gotten terrible. Mm -hmm. um, he's not active in life anymore. Mm -hmm. He was able to earn a bachelor's degree in social work, though. And huh. so he was able to volunteer at his, uh, his uh, grandson's junior high as a, as a counselor type. Um, he was able to start reconnecting with his nephew mm -hmm. he had a strained relationship with. Um, but each time he came in, he kept telling me the same story of how he got hurt. And here I am, brand new therapist, 25 years old. I can't even grow a beard yet. And uh, <laughs> he ends up um, at the fifth session. He's telling me the same story. And I was like, dude, stop. Stop it. You, you got it. You got to stop. And he's, can't believe I'm saying this. I'm saying this to a 65-year-old man. And I was like, do you know how many times you've told me this story? So well, it's my fifth time here. So five. I was like, 12. You've told me this story 12 times. You keep looping back here. When, wait, how many times have you told this story to somebody in Walmart? Oof. How many times have, has your wife told you to shut up? Oh, every day. How many times do you repeat the story when you get back in the car tomorrow and you drive back to Waco? Mm -hmm. Oof, I will beat myself up the whole way and just hurts crying. Mm -hmm. And it's because somatic symptom disorder is, it's like, dude, your, your knee's messed up and I hate it. However, I'll get back to somatic symptom disorder. However, you you're wrapped up inside of this. Hey, let's look at the good things here. You got your bachelor's in social work. You're the first graduate from your college, from in your family. You get to be around your grandson more. You get to spend more yeah. time um, mm -hmm. fishing with your nephew. There's all these, you get to cook at home now as opposed to in a kitchen and you get to make these giant Sunday meals. Like you've told me a lot of great things about you too. Mm -hmm. And this was back in DSM-4 yep. days. This is before the DSM-5. So somatic symptom disorder wasn't fully there really. It was under a different code. Mm -hmm. So he, what was going so what somatic symptoms is using him as the whole backdrop now is every part of his life he put these lenses on and he saw the whole world hyper focused hyper focused on oh. that knee his pain level what happened the next fit part of physical therapy is going to help me the next injection is going to help me i need this different cane because this cane is a shock absorber whatever it might be and as opposed to just saying hey your your knee is hurt we hear yeah. you the pain level sucks too yeah but let's focus on the good aspects of life. And then the next day, Dr. Flowers was actually in the office. He came up from uh, Houston that day. And him and I finished our session. We had a much different session than the previous five sessions. And he's like, hey, Dr. Flowers. 
And he's like, what do you think of this guy? Should I, should I keep him around? Should I fire him or not? Because I had been around for probably about two months at that time. And he's like, no, like he yelled at me yesterday. He did a really good job and nobody <laughs> yells at me. Um, and so since that moment within somatic symptom disorder, within chronic pain syndrome, um, you know, I, I get to kind of be raised by dad here in that area of the field because um, that's just what always has been my specialty, you know, going from there into geriatric psych and working with patients um, in nursing homes north of, uh, don't be upset here, north mm -hmm. of 55, but that was just the demographic that was there. However, um, he, you know, we worked a lot of elderly mm -hmm. patients that had a lot of physical ailments and pain was a huge part of that. And so... Mm -hmm. There's a lot of therapists who aren't specifically trained in that yep. area. So I feel very privileged to have gotten that young in my career. I've always been curious, too. Um, you do a, that board that we put in your office. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. So you have this this board that he draws on. <laughs> oh, yeah. And before we got it up on the wall, remember he used to take this big, huge sheet of paper on the floor, mm -hmm. and, and they'd be drawing on the floor until we finally got it up <laughs> on the wall. But tell it, me what you do there. So... Um, by by default, I'm from a family of educators. Yeah. Um, I'm also extremely dyslexic. So my second grade teacher told my parents, mm -hmm. you'll never graduate high school. Mm -hmm. So we found her and sent her a, uh, mm. why am I crying about that one? <laughs> that one's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she, yeah. uh, we actually Come sent a long her, way. I know, yeah. we sent her an invitation to my graduate degree because my mom. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. My mom said to her, when she said to my parents, like, Chase won't graduate high school, my mom goes, oh, it's sad that a lot of parents believe you, but we don't. That's so, awesome. So, yeah. um, yeah. where I love using that board because it helps me to not run down rabbit trails once. So it's really my tool to help me guide a patient. Okay. But also so many patients, when they get wrapped up in an emotion, it's really hard for them to remember exactly what they're saying or how they're saying it. Or it's really, they get caught in these tentacles of the issue and not what they're actually feeling on the inside. And uh -huh. so if we can write down, like you just said this, now tell me the feeling that's there. Oh, I don't want to talk about my feelings, Jason. Well, that's why we're here. <laughs> And oh, okay. so as I am the guy in the office that will make jokes, as I am the guy mm -hmm. that will cut up and have fun and laugh and call you out, I am the guy that always circles back to that emotion because that's what really drives us all. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. So did you guys ever hear from that school teacher? Um, <laughs> my mom bumped into her in a grocery store and yeah. she said, uh, she goes, do you remember you saying? She goes, oh, I said that to so many parents. Mm. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Which is Shouldn't really scary. Shouldn't have a teacher's license. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's retired now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So how are you liking living, let's talk about Houston. Okay. Versus, you know, coming from Dallas, and then there's a huge competition, <laughs> right? And so um, tell me how the transition's been. You know, this year's been, well, Courtney and I were really excited about coming down here. This is Good. an amazing opportunity, and we were, kind of, we were really excited to co go on this adventure. Mm -hmm. And we get down here February 1st that afternoon, and then the world shut down. And so it's been us getting out of our comfort zone and being able to go out and feel safe. But right. we're, we're trying to find the areas of the city to enjoy. We've gone to you know, Galveston several times. Uh, we go to Memorial Park pretty much every weekend. Um, okay. Now, there's, there's been a transition for me because I was off at school for six and a half years. Um, but I was home, you know, once a month, once every couple of months. Whereas this is the first time in my adult life where I've been gone and I haven't seen family and then throw a pandemic in there. So it's made it even harder for people right, to come see. Right. And so it's been for me personally, it's been a really hard yeah. uh, transition in personal life because it's 
I'm huge in families. You've seen me tear up a few times, yeah. but my, my family support is tremendous. Mm -hmm. So I've, I have Dr. Flowers and Michael to lean on. I've made some friends in the office, um, mm -hmm. but it's been, it's been a great experience for me, this young part of my career to grow on my own um, and have support at home with Courtney. But yeah. to just know there's somebody a phone call away, but it's different when you don't have that hug, you know, when you don't have that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and, but, and, and it's got to be hard because you, it's hard to make friends when, during a pandemic, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, being, yeah. How are you so gonna... let's throw some of these questions yeah. out there. What okay. do you do for fun, speaking of pandemic? <laughs> um, Eat oh, Courtney's baked yeah. goods. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, she's an amazing, she's a phenomenal baker. Um, yeah. uh, definitely love to go cycling, mm -hmm. taking up golf again, um, going for walks, things along those lines. Nice. And your favorite leisure activity? I guess that'd be that would, that, that would be the same things there. Yeah. yeah, cycling, golf, walk, going for walks, going for runs, things along those lines. What's on your bucket list that you haven't done that you want to do? <sighs> um, bucket list I haven't done. There's 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 two really. Um, get finish my start and finish my PhD. Mm -hmm. um, okay. That's that's a goal of mine. And then the other one um, is uh, married and having kids. There you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What's your ideal vacation? Mm. Um, ideal post COVID. <laughs> post COVID, <laughs> or I guess yeah. before COVID. But yeah, yeah. now post COVID, ideal vacation: uh, a national park that doesn't have cell phone signal. Nice. <laughs> oh, nice. That's that's how I always try to plan something where there's no cell phone signal. So yeah. yeah. What music is in your playlist right now? Uh, it is all over the place, <laughs> from either like Red Dirt, Texas Country, to Post Malone, to uh, gosh, what's been? We, we just recently bought a record player too. Nice. Uh, so Fleetwood Mac has been played a lot lately. John Mayer, um, and then there's some podcasts out there too. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for being with us. Of course. Really appreciate, appreciate that. I think it's important you. to folks, you know, when you see something like this, where mm -hmm. you, when, as they get to know you and as they get to know Chase, and they go. Yeah, yeah, that's my therapist, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah I want him to treat me once they yeah. get to know you. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're doing an amazing job. So glad that you're part of Jay Flowers Health and so glad you're right here in Houston. Yeah. Yes. And, and Dr. Flowers, you, you know this, but I always want to like saying it to you is you've been such a pivotal part of my career. Thank mm. you. And, thank you. And pushed me. Yeah. And, right. and, and hard and bad and in good ways. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yes. I have to leave Yeah. yeah. And like so leave, always yeah. giving me the butt chewing when I need it, but always told me I loved you afterwards. Mm. And, that's right. Um, without you, I'm definitely not sitting here in Houston, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but absolutely without you, you know, it's wow. uh, I'm, I'm very honored to be able to try to follow in those coattails that you leave behind. Thank you <laughs> so much. Well, I love having you here and I love you and Courtney and can't wait to see what's ahead for you guys here in Houston. So yeah. thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Robin. And how do folks find us if they would like to talk to either one of you Gosh, two gentlemen? jflowershealth.com awesome. or 713-783-6655. There you yep. go. Thank you, yeah. everyone. Thanks, See everyone. You. Bye -bye. See you next week.